0: Well, thank you, Pastor. And again, it's a great joy to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see each and every one of you. Have our hearts blessed and thrilled again with the good music. Wonderful, wonderful choir music. Special music. Just excellent. So much talent. And then the good testimonies. Praise the Lord. These are fastly evading our ranks. And I praise God for good testimonies that brag on the Lord and what God means to each of us. I was thinking as the young lady was singing a moment ago and she said this in the song all I have is yours Lord and take my life and make it what you want it to be. And I thought if we could just live that if we could just live that. I believe we could make a great difference, don't you? Great difference in the world. I want to thank the pastor again for inviting me and uh, thank the pastor's wife for the great lunch uh, that she prepared. Then we had opportunity to rest a little bit this afternoon. And that rest is important to an old man. And so I praise the good Lord for it. And then when some of you were testifying, my mind goes back to where uh, we first met. I met uh, Brother Laddie and uh, Brother Danny and Miss Sheila in the 70s. And that's how long I've known them. And the first thing I remember about Brother Laddie is just what we saw out of him a while ago and he's still bragging on the Lord, magnifying the Lord. It's always a blessing, always a blessing. Wonderful to be saved and be in the house of the Lord. The pastor said I could mention my books. Uh, I know most of you probably have them or most of them. I've written seven books, and I have them in the car with me. I didn't put them out. If anybody would like uh, to look at them, then you can do that after service. We'll be glad to help you some way that If we can, and all my books are doctrinal, so if you don't like doctrine, you won't enjoy them. I'm telling you, doctrine. Uh, I uh, wrote a book on the new creature, and so it was on the table, and a lady came by and picked it up, and it's got a picture of a newborn baby on the front. She picked up. She said, "This is not about a baby," and laid it back down. <laughs> I mean, we're really wise in our churches, aren't we? And and learning of the Bible, but they're doctrinal except the Book of Ruth, and so I. That's a commentary on the Book of Ruth, and so I. I appreciate the opportunity we have to make mention of them and everything everyone's done. We're going back to Hebrews chapter 10, if you will, please. In Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read our text verse. I was uh, in a meeting, rather large meeting, And I saw these two preachers talking. And I thought they must be deeply involved in some good doctrinal material. And I'd sneak up. Uh, If you live where I live, I'd uh, snuck up. Okay, But anyway, I sneaked up and uh, listened to them. One fellow said this man and his wife were working on a project. And something didn't come out just right. And so the man looked at the wife and said, do you know why God made man first? And she said, no. He said, well, because he didn't want to be told how to do it. (laughs) And so the woman said, well, that might be true, but said after he made man, he looked at him and said, I can do better. Well, I guess that's the winner in the end. Thank God for ladies. Amen. Good, consecrated prayer warriors. Many ladies I know today I'd soon have praying for me as anybody I know. And I praise the Lord for them. All right, we're going to read tonight just our text verse. Take off from this and continue where we left off on This morning, our text verse is Hebrews 10 and verse 35. And again, I would ask you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to be looking back at this text and related subjects to it as we find them here in the book of Hebrews. So we'll read together. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Will you please pray with me and for me? Father, thank you so much for the privilege we have again to be in this great church. Thank you for the people who were here this morning and those who are here this evening. Thank you again for how our hearts have been blessed and enriched by the kind words that have been spoken and by the great music that has been given. And thank you, Lord, for the testimonies which have magnified the amazing grace of God working in hearts and lives. I thank you just to know you in the free pardon of sin. And I ask for your divine touch to be upon my life tonight and help me that I may magnify you and edify this body of believers. We ask our prayer in Christ's name and for his sake, amen and amen. Let's look once more at our text verse. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. And that is our text. Now, when we're looking at the word confidence, it has several Synonyms. And then it has several synonyms as we find it translated other words, other ways in the book of Hebrews. And we'll look at a couple of those in a moment. But one I'm thinking about now is the term hope. And this is what really he's talking about, as he mentioned earlier in chapter six, about which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. And so here he's saying, cast not away therefore your confidence. And so I think we could say as well, and this surely does not alter the Bible. If you want to know what I think about our Bible, I wrote a book on it, The Doctrine of the Word of God. But if your confidence, we'll use it like that. If your confidence, your hope, is built on anything rather than Jesus' blood and righteousness, then you don't have any confidence and you don't have any hope. And there's one thing for sure. On the other hand, if it is, then we may be assured that which that which we have committed unto him is as sure as the one whom we have committed it unto. And so Paul says that I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And so I say again, cast not away therefore your confidence. Look with me just a moment in verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now, let me assure you that this author of the epistle to the Hebrews was writing to saved people. There are not people here who are almost saved, who came close to seeing what being saved was and didn't want that. He's writing to people who are saved by God's grace. And if you'll notice with me, please, and if we'll keep that in mind as we're reading through and studying the book of Hebrews, we'll not let chapter 6 and uh, and chapter 3 cause us to stumble and get us into trouble and thinking that it's possible for someone who has been saved to be lost and suffer the judgment of God. Now I say that because if it was possible for the Hebrew believers to be lost after they were saved, then there's a possibility that you and I could be lost after we're saved. And we know better than that. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. And eternal life is exactly what he termed it. It is Eternal. And if we have something that is eternal, then it's going to last forever and ever. But Paul asked this question here, and and he says, If any man draw back, when I look at that, I ask the question, Why draw back when the toil is almost done? and we are aware that the Lord is coming again exactly when he is coming. We do not know, but isn't it tragic that people in the last years of their ministry mess up? That is awful, and I know some, and you know some as well, and it's heartbreaking uh, to be faithful and walk with God and serve him all the years, and then... Draw back in the latter days of the ministry or draw back in the latter days of Christian living. Why would someone want to draw back when the race is almost run? Now, look at this phrase with me, please. Draw back. It means literally to take in sale. And the believer here is depicted as a sailor. And all of us know something about being on the sea of life. And he's depicted as a sailor who instead of raising up every sail to catch the breeze that they might be moved along, they strike the sail and set motionless on the sea going nowhere now that is a sad situation for people who are saved, who get tired of the fight they say and tired of the battle I've heard all kinds of excuses given why someone left a good fundamental Bible preaching church and went off to one of these generic churches I've heard all kinds of excuses well they're just tired of the fight. Now, let me say something. I get tired in the fight, very tired in the fight, but I've never gotten tired of the fight. Thank God we are fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. And so the Lord is going to strengthen us. But let me ask the question, are there any sale strikers present? Was there a time once that you were fully involved in the work of the Lord? Then rather than take what we talked about this morning, the tribulation and the troubles and problems, perplexities of life, we have said, well, we're just going to idle and we're just going to coast through this thing. And so we are just going to set motionless upon the sea. So may God help us to raise our sails that we should unfurl them that when the breeze of the Holy Ghost comes breathing by, our sail will catch that and we might be moved along for the glory of God. And Paul says here that my soul shall have no pleasure in that man that draws back. Now Arthur Pink, if you'll forgive me, for quoting a Calvinist, and he definitely was that. But I'm gonna tell you something else. He wasn't stupid. He knew a lot about the scriptures. And I would never, I would never refer a young preacher or a young student in the Word to read behind him. Because you've not learned yet fully how to spit the bones out. Amen. So you gotta learn how to do that. And how you do that is by sitting under a good sound Bible preacher and a good sound Bible professor. Amen. And you learn that. Listen to what Mr. Pink said. And he writes this paragraph on this word, therefore. Now, if I ask you the meaning of that, well, you would tell me what everybody else says about it. But listen to what Mr. Pink writes about it. This is an inference Drawn from the foregoing. Since you have already suffered so many things in your persons and goods, and inasmuch as divine grace supported and carried you through with constancy and joy, do not be discouraged and give way to despair at the approach of similar trials. And what he's saying here is this, that you've gone through this and they're coming again. They're similar and the same grace that brought you through them will bring you through what you're facing right now. Amen. And then he writes, "...inasmuch as confidence persisted in is going to be richly repaid, cast it not away." Don't you know God rewards on the basis of faithfulness, not on the amount of what is done, but on the the basis of faithfulness. Someone asked me one time, what kind of a church member had you rather have than any other? I said a faithful church member. Somebody you can count on, somebody you know is going to be there, and so he says, don't Throw this away. God helped you. Confidence got you through that trial. That same confidence that got you through that trial is going to get you through the next one that the Lord has ordered for your life. Now look at this phrase. We're digesting this, uh, our text tonight. Cast not away. That simply means to hold fast. Amen. Hold it fast. Don't let it get away from you. Whatever you do, don't cast it away, but don't let anybody pull it away. Hold it fast. Now, I've heard a lot of things, and I don't uh, hear trying to correct anybody, but I've heard uh, statements like, you better junk that profession. Now, listen to me. I, and, and I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not going to junk mine. Amen. I made a profession of Jesus Christ, my faith in him, I'm not about to cast that away. Amen, amen. And if you made a good profession, and Paul talks about Timothy, does he not making a good profession? Amen, let us hold fast. He says here, our profession in chapter four. And so cast not away that profession. Don't let somebody play with your mind. Amen. Keep your faith in God and keep your confidence in him who's able to get you through the next trial that's coming your way. May I say hold fast to that promise. He's made me a promise. He's made you a promise. Cast it not away. Amen. We don't know what God is doing in our life. How many things have we thought This is bad. Man, this is going to come out bad. But God was getting us where? Amen. He could bless us mightily. You remember old Jacob when they came back and said, Daddy, there's a man down there. He's a mean man. He talked roughly to us, and we cannot go back until we take Benjamin He said, we'd never see him again. We got to take him. And Jacob said, Joseph is dead and Simeon is not. Will you also take Benjamin away? All these things be against me. But God was getting Jacob ready for a reunion with his darling son that he loved. May I say in my life and your life more than one time it seems bad. It's not gonna there's no good can come out of this, but God is working. He's a providential working God. He's working in your behalf and my behalf. Don't throw that promise away. He's promised us that he'd be with us all way even to the end of the world. He has promised, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hang on to that wherever you are, in the hospital bed. Amen. And when you're in a deep trial and a heart-wrenching situation, he's there. He is there. The old preacher said it like this. He said, when you feel like you have nothing, keep feeling, because somewhere you're going to run into him. Amen. He may be in the shadows, and he may not be in the shadows. But I promise you one thing, he's going to be with you. Cast not away that profession. Hang on to it. The day that I bowed and trusted Christ is my Lord and Savior. Don't remember much about it. But I know one thing, I got saved. And I've been saved ever since. And he's made me a promise. And he's never lied to me. Amen. Hold fast that persuasion. You are where God wants you to be. You're walking with him. You're serving him. Hang on to that. Amen. Don't let it get away. Your pursuit, what God has for you to do and you're after that. Your privilege, your post, stand your post, stand your progress. Don't let it slip back. Don't recede. Stay with it and cast not away your confidence. Now, We look at the word confidence. And that is a great word. This word confidence means liberty and ability to speak. All right? The word translated confidence here is the same word translated in chapter 4 and verse 16. Now read that or look at that With me, please, where we read, let us therefore, here's a word now, come boldly under the throne of grace. Now, when we take that in the meaning of that word, we don't enter into the throne of grace with our fist raised in the air, demanding out of God, amen, coming in, ordering God around I heard a man who was a preacher uh, say this one night in a meeting, and he said, Jesus, I command you. I heard him say that. I sure did, and I thought, mercy, mercy. Commanding God, that's not what that's talking about at all. Let us come boldly. Now let's put our word in there. Let us come with confidence We've got ability, brother, to speak. Amen. We've got ability to tell him what's in our heart. We have ability to approach God. Now, look in chapter 10, and ver- that's a text chapter. In chapter 10 and verse 19, we have the same word again. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. By the blood of Jesus, who of us this night, knowing what we are, oh, knowing what we are, knowing the sinner, and it 's been testified tonight, what we were when God saved us, oh dear friend, what would we be now if God hadn't saved us, when we began to look at our own life. And we see our faults and our failures and our shortcomings. What would we be tonight had God not saved us? Aren't you glad you've been saved? Amen. Not only to go to heaven, but saved from a ruined and a wrecked life and saving from a miserable somebody an absolute nothing. Who of us has the privilege to go in amen, to the holiest. Isn't that what I read here? I thought I read that. Let me look at it again. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Amen. How? By the blood of Jesus. You know what the holiest is? Amen. That was the outer court and the inner court and then that was the holy place. That was the most holy place. You know what was in the most holy place? The very presence of God. That's where God came down and met with man in the snow. Isn't that right? Well, may I say, we have the privilege tonight to enter right into where God is. Amen. We come right in to where he is, and we open our mouth, and we talk to him, and we tell hey, have you been back there already today? Surely you have. Been back there, and you've talked to him Amen. Did you, did you witness any fear? Were you afraid to go in to the holiest and where God Almighty, who is eyes of too pure to behold evil, and He's infinitely holy, He's perfectly pure, and yet we walk right in to where He is and we open our mouth and we begin to talk to Him and tell Him what's on our heart. May I say this word depicts free and fearless confidence. It depicts careful courage. Amen, Lord, it's so good to be here. Amen, have you ever prayed like that? Lord, I'm glad you're here. And just stop and think of what we are, and we're invited, amen. We have an invitation to come in to where Almighty God dwells and lives, and it means without concealment. Amen. We just go in there. Let me tell you something. You never pray publicly like you pray privately. You're not about to do that. You don't want everybody to know how mean you are. But you don't care to tell God because he already knows. Amen. Oh, yes, I'm talking to saved people. Amen. Amen. Listen, when you go back there in that holy place, you know what? That high priest could go back into that most holy place one time a year and not without blood. Yes, sir. That's right. Yes, sir. One while ago in the prayer room, I didn't have any blood. You fellows didn't have any blood. But we went right in to the holy place. We do have blood. But the blood we have is on the mercy seat, I believe. Amen. Pure and availing for righteousness in my and your behalf. But when we go back there, that high priest, he could go back there one time a year on the high day, day of atonement, and not without blood, which he offered for himself and his sons, his family. And then he went back with that blood of the of the uh, Lord's goat and offered it up in behalf of the uh, sins of the nation of Israel. And God rolled those sins away. But you know what? That priest never opened his mouth back. It was too holy. He just officiated his duties and came back. Well, you and I can go back there. And we can just open our mouth. And you know what? He don't care if we stay a long time. It don't matter to him if we stay a few minutes, if we stay a whole lot of minutes. It doesn't matter to him. And you're the precious thing about it, you can tell God everything that's on your heart. And you don't have to go to, worry about going to some meeting somewhere and hearing it preached. You can just tell the Lord about it. He's, he's a good secret keeper. Amen. You just tell him, you can tell him with all that's on your heart. May I say you can trust him with all your heart. You can try him over every situation through Christ and you can treasure every promise the Lord has made you. So he's saying, cast not away this confidence. Oh yes, it's difficult for you now. It's rough for you now. And these things are gonna come, but you just stay with God and you honor him and you believe in him and you trust him. Now, the Old Testament high priest, He could enter into that most holy place, as I said, but once a year. But you know what? He never perfected himself, nor those whom he officiated in behalf of. Look over in chapter 10, back in chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things, can never make those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereinto perfect. Could never do it, no matter how well he officiated, no matter how well he carried out God's plan and for them. And of course, of all of that was typical of the or typical of the Lord Jesus who was going to come. It was all symbolic. But he could never perfect himself, nor could he perfect the people. But every time those offerings were offered, the people were reminded of their sin. But listen to us in that same book. Amen. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, we don't have to go back there to try to perfect ourselves. We've already been perfected in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So here is the basis on which we go back. We go into the holiest by the blood of the Lord Jesus, as our text just said, and on the basis of his high priesthood. We do have a great high priest who not only offered the sacrifice, but he was a sacrifice Himself. Now we can enter as often as we like. I don't know how many times I've been back there today. Do you? But you know, I plan on going back again before I go to bed tonight. Amen. Because I'm welcome back there. I've been given an invitation back there, and I thought about the ABCs of going into the holiness with assurance, boldness. And confidence. We can go back in to the holy place. Now, listen to this little outline, and we'll be through in about so many minutes, all right? Number one, we've got confidence in our access to God. Cast not that confidence away. Well, the Lord won't hear me. I've done this, and I fail. Oh, he's waiting to hear you. And it was testified to that effect tonight by someone. He's waiting to hear you. Right. Oh, we don't get ourselves cleaned up to go back. No, he. we just go back. He's waiting to hear us. He wants to hear us talk to him so we have confidence in our access to God. I've read it already, but we'll reread it. It won't hurt. It's a great verse. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, let us, amen. Did you know? I just, the phrase let us is found at least 13 times in the book of Hebrews. You remember this morning I said it's an exhortation. He's not saying you go, he go, they go. He said let us go. All right? And so he said let us therefore come boldly uh, under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace, grace to help in time of need. We'll read again, chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So we have boldness to enter. We have confidence. We don't stand outside and beg and plead for God to hear us. We know he's going to hear us. Amen. That's why the the veil was rent. In twain, of course you know this, you know it well, and not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. One expositor said God just reached down in the darkness and ripped it open. I don't know what happened, but I also read that that veil was made in such a way that a team of oxen could not rip it apart. So man didn't get up there and rip it apart. Somebody had to rip that, and I believe God said, "Come on back now, fellas. You you gotta you gotta access right in here." Amen. Now, when you go to pray tonight, and you'll go to pray, you may not pray much, but you will pray some. Amen. And God loves to talk to you and he loves for you to talk to him. And so when you do that, you just remember, you don't have to stand. Lord, can I come in? Lord, can I come in? No, just walk right in. You have confidence that he's going to reach. Don't cast that away. Don't cast that away. And then we have confidence in our approach to God. So we'll go back to chapter four and we will read in verse 14. We have confidence in our approach to God, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We have a great high priest who has made the way back there. And I believe the blood that Jesus shed On the cross, you don't have to believe this, but I believe it, Uh, that the blood he shed on the cross is on the mercy seat right now, availing for us. And through that blood, we have access. We have approach unto God. And we have a great high priest who has went before us, just like our forerunner, chapter 6. Even Jesus has gone before us. And then in chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. So we have approach to God, confidence that we can. Don't cast that away. Amen. Now, confidence in our audience with God. We can talk to the Lord. We know we can talk to him. Isn't it wonderful when you just can sense him listening to what you have to say? Oh, God, that you would listen to me, that you would hear me, amen. When we talk to him, ladies and gentlemen, we can talk to him. He, he We have his ear, amen. We can be assured that we have a, an audience with him. Chapter 10 and verse 21 and having an high priest not in the house of God but over the house of God. He's my high priest. He's your high priest. I'm talking about people who are saved by the grace of God and we can go into the very presence of Almighty God. So don't cast away your confidence in our access to God, in our approach to God, in our audience with God. Don't cast your confidence away in our acceptance with God. Listen, he can, back to chapter 4, all right, back to chapter 4, he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, we have an English major in our church, and that's one of the areas outside of math that I fail in terribly. But anyway, I asked her one day, I, I said, Miss Bonnie, I said, let me read you this and you tell me. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. I said, now, is that a double negative? And She read it and she said, it is. Now, if you turned in an English paper you would get called for a double negative because the second negative negates the first. So you don't have a negative, you have a positive when you have a double negative. Everybody okay? Now, but in the language our Bible was translated in, that's why we believe in the formal equivalency and the verbal equivalency method, word for word, and the very form that the word was in. So it was a negative in the original Koine Greek, and so it's translated into English into a double negative. Now, in our English, that would say, well, the first negates the second. But when you think about the Greek, the more negatives you have, the stronger it is. And so if you have two It's doubly strong. And there are at least, there is at least one verse in the scripture, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That verse has five negatives in it. I was preaching in Galilee Baptist Church, Monroe, North Carolina. I made that statement. And the fellow that was preaching in the meeting with me came up to me afterwards. He said, "Brother Jones, I thought that just had three negatives." I said, "Well, I read behind a man who's supposed to know what he's talking about." And he said it had five negatives." And this fellow stepped up. His name was Pressler. And he stepped up and he said, "Gentlemen, said I heard your uh, conversation?" He said, "I teach Greek." And I said, am I in trouble or what? <laughs> he said, I'll let you know in the morning. The next morning he came and he had them all. Mar- I couldn't read them, but he had, he had it all written out and he had it marked one, two, three, four, five. Boy, that's a good one to have five times as strong. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that wonderful? Amen, amen. So here, this is a doubly strong statement we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities let me say this our strengths do not impress god you know what this term infirmities mean it means our inabilities and our weaknesses if you want to touch god you touch him with your inabilities and your weaknesses that calls for humility Amen. That calls for humility. And as you've often heard, the way up is down. And so he can be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. Why? Because we come before him as sons of God. We have been made sons of God because the, was it Warren Wiersbe who wrote the Son of God became the son of man that the sons of men might become the sons of God. Maybe that's, I think he wrote something like that, but that's good, isn't it? We come as sons of God, amen, and we come, I love this, we come as sanctified worshipers because we come in the name of Christ and we come having been washed in his blood. Amen. Amen. So don't cast that away. Now, we have confidence in our assistance. Chapter 4, verse 16, I'm not going back there to read it. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You go before the Lord, God is going to hear you. God is going to help you. Amen. Let's not cast that away. Let's not cast that away. And then listen. Sixthly, we have confidence in the author and finisher of our faith. In chapter 12 and verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 15. If you want to read these with me, you can. Chapter 4 and verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That is precious. That is precious. There's not a person in here that can be the assistance that Jesus Christ can be because it doesn't matter who we are. If we are tempted in a certain area strong enough, we're going to yield to that temptation. But Jesus Christ is, never yielded. He knows exactly what it takes to withstand that temptation. So you may tell me, preacher, and I've had them tell me, that temptation is so strong, I just couldn't fight it off. I just just had to yield to it. I, I prayed, I asked God, and I said, listen, you may be right, but Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like as we are. Whatever you need to get through that temptation, tell him, Lord, I need some strength. I need some strength. And in fact, I believe that's what 1 Corinthians 10, I believe it's verse 13, is all about. Amen. Let no man say when he is tempted. I'm No, that's James, isn't it? James chapter 1. What is that? Start it out. There is no temptation taking you, but that which is common, to man. Amen. No temptation, but it's common to man. Amen. But then he goes on in that and he says that he will make a way to escape. So when I read that verse, Brother Laddie, and I read that, Pastor, I mean, a lot came on with my soul. I said, Lord, when I'm tempted, I'm going to quit looking at temptation and I'm going to look for that escape route because you promised me, amen, don't cast that promise away. You promised me that you would make a way to escape, why? That we may be able to bear it. That's what he said. And I believe it, don't you? In chapter 7, verse 22, boy, this is a message Genesis. but I've got to go by so much, was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. A better testament. Chapter 9 and verse 12, you know this. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. In chapter 10, verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified. Chapter 12, verse 2, he sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. I'm talking about we have confidence in the author and the finisher of our faith. That priest, when you study it, it's again and again and again. But when you look at Jesus Christ, our great high priest, it is once one and one. That's all it took. One time in to the most holy place. He obtained eternal redemption for us. One more. One more. All right? This is number seven. Confidence in our abiding place. Look over in chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse 14. For here... Have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Somebody said it like this. Abraham looked for that city. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare that place. And John said, I saw it. Descending from God Out of heaven And the blessed part of it is One day We're going to get to move into it For John said Come I'll show you the Lamb's wife And he's showing the place Where the Lamb's wife The church The bride of Christ Is going to live And it's going to be in that city Amen In that exceeding city Coming down from God Out of heaven No We don't have a continuing city here, but we seek one to come. Now, if this matter, abiding places, bothers you, look with me in John 14, just a moment, okay? I said I'd be done. Give me one more minute, please, one more minute. We will be done by the Lord's help and grace, all right? Look in John 14 and verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. You see that word? Now, the modern versions read are many rooms. I was in a room last night. And I spent the night. But that's not my abiding place. And this word that's translated mansions, if you look over later on in the chapter, verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode. There's the word, yes. with him. So Jesus in John 14, 2 is not talking about a rooming house. He's talking about an abiding place, a place where we're going to live because he said, where I am there, ye may be also. And so we're seeking that city. That's going to be the abiding place. That's where you and I are going to live. Don't cast that confidence away. We got great confidence in our abiding place. Here, we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. I want to ask you tonight, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Can you relate to these things? These promises that I made or that I gave you that Christ made unto us and that we find in the scripture are for the saved. They are for the redeemed of God. Amen. We get great pleasure, great joy out of the truths of these words. But if you're not a Christian, more than anything in the world, you need to be saved. You need to give your heart to the Lord so you can claim them. Jesus Christ is not a great high priest for the man who isn't saved or the woman who isn't saved, but he is to his own. Amen. Whom he has redeemed by his precious blood. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Are you saved by his grace? Oh, if you aren't, you need him more than you need anything in this world. You heard the testimonies tonight of the redeemed of God, them talking about, and there could have been many, many more, could have stood and given similar testimonies of the marvelous working of God's grace in one's life. Sure they could have. I could have. The pastor could have. These gentlemen could have. All of them. These ladies could have talked about what God means to them, what he's done in their life. But oh, it means nothing to that person who does not know Christ. I beg you to come to know him. Let these precious confidences be yours that you can hold to them, cling to them. Storms are going to come whether we're saved or whether we're lost. But what a comfort to have him who is the storm stealer, in our lives and with us. Peace be still. Be our lake and set. When he he was man, when he was asleep in the hinder part of the boat, but when he arose and stepped on the bow of that ship, and he said, peace be still, said he was God. and said those waves left out and silenced themselves on the distant shore as the babe on his mother's breast. Let's stand together. Are you a Christian? Do you know the Lord? Troubles come, heartaches come. We think it might be easier. We didn't have this to do or that. No greater life than the Christian life. I've never met one saved person who said, I wish I lived in sin a little longer. Never. Never but have heard otherwise again and again. God bless you. Preach.